Today's podcast is brought to you by Borders. Do you believe Snape is a friend or foe? Show everyone where your loyalties lie. Reserve Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows at a Borders for 40% off and get a free sticker. Choose from Trust Snape or Snape is a Very Bad Man. Click on the Borders banner at the top of Pottercast.com to reserve your book, then pick up your sticker at a Borders near you. Additionally, this special live podcast took place on March 3rd at a Borders at Charing Cross Road in London. We'd like to say a very special thank you to the staff there and the attendees for making the event so much fun. Enjoy! How are we doing? Hi. Oh my gosh, you guys turned out in style. I like it. Welcome. This is our Pottercast, just for the sake of the people who will eventually be listening. This is our Pottercast from London, from the real Leaky Cauldron area thing. Right next door, we found out. We were tapping on the bricks last night trying to push, <laughs> push our way through, but it, it didn't work. Yeah. Well, um, well, where do we want to start? I don't know. Well, first of all, how far have you guys come from? I heard somebody came from California, <laughs> Los oh Angeles. <laughs> not for this, I hope. Not for this. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, not just for this. I mean, of course. a highlight of your trip, for sure. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. oh, my goodness. Who else has come from far? When did you get here? Michigan, they're from. Uh, oh, my. What are you doing while you're here? Excellent. We knew. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's a, a few shows happening around town with a few uh, Harry Potter people involved. I don't know if everybody has, has seen any of them yet, but yeah. we've seen a couple. Well, that's sort of how we planned this, because we didn't know when, if, how we would come over. And so we sort of planned a week where we could see three at once, you know, sort of like a super week of Harry Potter actors. So we saw Fiona Shaw in Happy Days. <laughs> which, in which they actually do play the music from the 50s show. Yeah, at intermission. It's so out of place. Um, Jason Isaacs in The Dumbwaiter. Yeah. We have a fun story about him. Yeah. Um, and of course, last night, Daniel Radcliffe in Equus. Which I hope if you, yeah, I hope if you haven't seen, you're, you're planning on it because it's, it's something. So where do you want to start, John? Oh, gosh. Well, let's... Um I guess we could go through what we've, all, what we've done here so far, because this is my, own, my uh, second time out here. Um, uh, the first time I was in London was only for a couple of days, and that was when we were out here to 18 visit. 18 hours uh, yeah. out here to visit oh, the set. Oh, and 18 hours, Well, probably. we had like 18 hours of free time Yeah. Well, and eight hours of set stuff. Yeah, when we came to visit the set of Order of the Phoenix. Um, but we've actually got to do a, 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 little, bit, uh, uh, a little bit of sightseeing. And um, well, why don't we why don't we do a quick rundown just to let everybody know what we were up to? We took some pictures. We don't really have a means to show them to you right now, but we will. Yeah, uh, they're on my computer, but we'll just put them online. Yeah, and, we'll, we'll and, be able to show you on the website. You know, so. we'll see. Well, I don't know, John. What's your favorite thing so far? Mm. First of all, I'm so sorry. Can can you guys see back there? Yes. Okay, you're okay. Because <laughs> I feel I feel like we're so low. Borders gave us these awesome chairs, and I I'm quite comfortable. I like them actually. a lot. It's nice. <laughs> So we got in and basically I came in a few days early because 
I was visiting some friends. And the first thing we did was go over to see Fiona Shaw's show. John completely jet-lagged. Yeah. Me just getting over my jet lag. And, you know, Samuel Beckett is an amazing writer, but oh, wow. It's hard when you're yes. jet lagged. We were like, Fiona's great. Fiona's great, you know. But it's, it's, it's an interesting show. I don't, I, it takes a, a sort of specific type of theater fan to really love it. Has anybody know? seen it? Okay. What did you think? I thought she was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's an incredible actress. Yeah. It, just trying to wrap your head around what's actually happening. Yeah. But that's sort of like coming out of a musical and humming the scenery, you know? Right. That's, you know, oh, how is the show? She's a great actress. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to really enjoy it. Yeah. There's a lot you miss, yeah. you know, because it's so dense and so fast-paced and, yeah. you know. Um, but the next day, we had a really cool Harry Potter day. We've been trying forever to come over here and do what we've been doing on Leaky for a long time, which is the video game um, fan council. We've been sending Donna our, she's here somewhere. I know she is, there she is. Um, <laughs> she's been sending, we've been sending her over to EA to get previews of the video game and, and, and bring them to the fans. And then what you guys have been doing is giving us comments and giving them comments and they are still to this day reading them very 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 carefully yes. and feeling very bad when they can't implement something that somebody wants you know like oh i don't know voldemort to die and um, <laughs> they're like sorry not in the books yet um so we got to go over there because we emailed them so we're going to be in, in the uk and why don't we just you know we really we're we don't want to miss this we want to go see it so they basically gave us what was it Two and a half hours? We were there for about two and a half, maybe even, even yeah. three hours. And I mean, one of the first things, the biggest impression I got from that is that they are putting as much effort in trying to stay true to the books for this project as, they are, as the film people are, if not more so. And it, the experience you're going to have with this game is going to be something unlike you've had with any of the previous games and any of the films, uh, because this game is so comprehensive of all of the previous films and books so far. And um, I, I know they're even trying to uh, include what they can from what we know of, of Half-Blood Prince even, it's just as far as the, the layout of Hogwarts and, and things like that. Well, unlike the last ones where you sort of play a video game the way you play every video game that happens to be the character happens to be Harry. and. That's great. Um, this one is, I mean, they, they, built, they built Hogwarts, as we've reported before, that we've built Hogwarts from the ground up. And so basically, it's, it's what the movies would be if they had 10 hours sure. to, to do it, you know? Because in a video game, you can, spend, you can spend weeks, and in fact, they want you to spend weeks. They want you to just take your time, and you can, oh, it's, it's, really, it's really incredible. We are, I, I don't play many video games. John makes yeah. me play Dance Dance Revolution sometimes. Well, I'm I'm told Guitar Hero is is well, that's cool. a lot of fun too. Um, but I I can't wait. I actually want to like buy a system, have a Wii for it or something, so we can do the the wand movements. Yeah, there's at least a dozen different spells you'll be able to do on these games, and if you have the Nintendo Wii, which is the system that has the controller that can sense the movement of your controller, you'll be able to do the spells. Just I think like uh, clockwise is Reparo. And uh, when Gardrum Liviosa is like a, like a rainbow Don't kind of thing. Give it away now. Well, just little things. Okay. It's, um, well, we have a lot, a lot, a lot yeah. of detail on that that we. Yeah, so it's can't just so much. Who you get? The the guy who we talk to most of the time, his name is Matt, and he is more passionate about Harry Potter 
and he could go up with any one of us, yeah. anyone that we've worked with. He basically like he comes, he says, he points out, I don't know, say that I, I haven't seen this in the video game, so I don't know if it's true. But say say the scene when Fred and George, you know, leave. He points out like exactly he would know exactly where the swamp was going to stay forever. You know, he's like, yeah. look, Flitwick's going to leave that there. That's awesome. You know, he's like that. Yeah. And it's so great that apparently he was telling us that when Ivana came in to do her voices, that they just had a ball because with their theories, the two of them, you know, yeah. really just going, going for it. You can imagine the two of them in a room. It's like, um, I don't know. Is it like you with your theories? Yeah. Except oh, not. Except they're probably you know slightly more accurate. I think I think that guy's read the books more than anybody I've ever met. Yeah. But imagine reading the books with with in your hand a blueprint of the Hogwarts castle. You know. Oh God. That it really feels like just being a fan and going through this game, you're going to be able to learn more about the books because it's all been approved. Yeah. So if there's a room to the right, Joe, you know. Joe said it's there, mm -hmm. and who knows? Maybe that will mean something. But then again, the the, the it's going to come out, and in two weeks we'll have book seven. So by the time you've you know gotten to the ministry, you'll know all of it anyway. This is true. So so that night we went to go see Jason Isaacs, who was excellent. The show is it's Harold Pinter, so you know John's never seen a straight play before. I've never seen any plays. Period. I've seen some musicals in New York, but I've never seen anything that was real serious and. Um, you know, real no music, <laughs> no no music, nothing to dance to. You know, <laughs> like we we come into that show and they're already on stage. They're laying in these in the two beds and it's just a very simple set. And I had never seen something that wasn't this huge production. So, there. I mean, both shows, um, Jason's and Fiona's, are very you know, like we said, character-driven shows. They're going to be very straight, level-headed shows and. Um, you have to really, really pay attention to to really enjoy it. But Jason did well, it was such a good job. Yeah, His, uh, the acting involved in that in that play is is, is pretty. Well, the incredible. thing is, I felt so bad because John's never seen a straight play before, and I say this with no, it's really hard to be introduced to straight plays by Samuel Beckett and Harold Pinter, like the <laughs> most, you know, the, the most sense, like, w couldn't we get a Neil Simon, you know, couldn't we get a farce, couldn't we just have some fun? So I felt, you know, I, I, I felt sort of responsible for, for making your first week of theater. But then we saw Equus, which is, again, very dense. Peter Schaffer, he did Amadeus, and it's, it's, it's almost a novel to read. There's so, so many words and so much going on. Richard Griffiths was out. He had an he understudy. He has the flu. Come all the way out here, Vernon. Vernon. So his understudy was on, but his understudy must have not expected to have to be on so fast. And he was reading from his script the entire time. Yeah. I, uh. I felt, you know, I don't want to be mean or, you know, and he did, he did well given the, the time crunch and whatever, but it just felt like, mm, put it down. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Probably better that he didn't put it down or... The right, or he would have an extra half hour. <laughs> Once in a while, you heard like a prompting, but but all things considered, he did very well. But Dan, yeah, yeah, he it, is in yeah. his element. There, it's unlike you've ever seen him before, and obviously more ways than one. <laughs> but uh, just uh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. He's very very unhairy, unhairy like again. I, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> He, wow, you screwed me up. No pun intended. <laughs> um, but oh my gosh, it again—it was a very, very serious, very, um, 
very dense um, show, but it at least had um, a pretty, um, uh, I mean, it had a big plot to it and a, and a story behind it. And uh, There were some horses. Yeah, there were a few horses, they're friends, and... Um, they're friends? Uh, I guess he likes the horses. And, uh, Do you blind all your friends? Well, <laughs> it, was, it was a very um, traumatizing uh, experience he had just had. So. Well, he basically, in case you don't know the story, this, this kid goes in for psychotherapy after blinding six stable horses. And you get into this very deep, um, intense psychological explanation of what he did until you build up to the moment where you actually, you know, you see him do it. And it's horrifying. It's really, really intense. And they mm -hmm. went back to like the original scenery that was on Broadway um, back in the blah, 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 blah. And you, you know, you, when, you fir when Dan first comes out, you're like, hey, it's Harry, how you doing? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hi Dan. <laughs> you know, yeah. you want to just, you want to just say hello. But um, Immediately, immediately, I think his first line, he's, he's singing like a, like a deranged, you know, child and, and he just gets better and better and better as it goes on. And mm -hmm. so there's some really, really funny parts. And by the time the big nudity scene comes, it's really, I mean, if you've invested two hours and 25 minutes already into this night, you really don't care that he's naked, you know. Um, but it's also a really important scene and it's really, it's really vital. And he treats it, you know, they, they treat it with utmost class. And the audience was very, it was, it was like everybody was holding, his, holding their breath like, he's going to do it right now. We've been reading about this everywhere. Ooh, you know, but then once it gets going, it's, it's really great. I'm really proud of him, sort of, you know, and it's like, yeah. I hope that's not very condescending, but I'm really just um, happy for him. You know, it's nice. We're all sort of, I was, I was saying last night, we're all sort of heading to this period where Harry's ending, you know, Seven's coming out. We have two movies left after July, and yeah. we're all sort of thinking about... What happens afterwards? I know people are crying over yeah. here. <laughs> Very sad, pandas indeed. It's it's, it's it's hard. So it's nice to see him sort of take those steps. Are you gonna do something like that, John, to move on? Well, I don't even know idea what I'm gonna do next. Gosh, just I don't get naked. No, well, <laughs> certainly certainly not. I wouldn't get that many people to come see me. Well, let's uh, let's dive into some Potter stuff, of course, because that is uh, what everybody is out here for. Yeah. Um, huge summer coming up. Obviously, we have. Uh, the film, and a couple of weeks later, we have the book, the, the last book. And I know the biggest question we've been getting lately is, where are we going to be when that thing comes out? What are, what are we going to be at <laughs> Disneyland? It would be fun. <laughs> but um, the truth is, we have no idea yet. There has just really been nothing announced as to what's happening, and there's really been very uh, little word from, from what Joe is going to be up to. So we're just kind of um, waiting and out to see what's going to happen. But obviously... It's going to be something huge, and as it's the last thing, the last one to come out, you're going to really want to live it up. You mean she hasn't told you on Skype? No, you know, I keep I bug her all the time, and she's like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait." <laughs> uh, she, she'll, she's, you know, most likely going to make some announcement about it uh, pretty soon, or, or not. No, why? Why wouldn't she? We only have a few months left. Last time we found that in May. May before when? Before the book. When did she announce that uh, you and uh, our good friend E were going to be heading out there? May. For the thing? May. May. Was it? May. Oh, okay. Well, May, May 4th, a day we'll I'll never, ever, ever forget, May. okay? Yeah. May 4th, 2005. I can't, I can't be mistaken on that. On that. But we'll, we'll find out eventually. We've heard, we've heard absolutely nothing. We can't. Actually, we can. We can wait. 
Yeah. I can wait. Who else? Who's with me? Who can wait a little while? Of course. Yeah. Well, how how many of you would be interested in heading to something huge, like big a big migration over to, you know, uh, We're in some the castle up, or, or something something huge like that? I think this bunch who would come to a podcast would probably be into that. But uh, does anybody um, uh, have any plans for what how how they would like to spend reading the last book? Has anybody thought about it yet? Oh, yes. One chapter a week, One he says. One chapter a week. You're not going to survive. I do not want it to just end like that. In a way, I don't even want the book to come out. Yeah. When it's out, that's it. It's finished. That's true. Uh, one chapter. Well, That'll be like three quarters of a year, probably. 30 weeks, half a year. Yeah. One a day. Well, I remember. I want to check in with you. I want to get your email yeah. address and find out. How long it took? We'll get it. We'll yeah. get it afterwards. I want to find out how long it took you. July. <laughs> okay. Oh, we have. Oh, hi, hi. Very nice to meet you. I I know him. Um, yeah. We, I'm going to check with you. July 22nd. I'm I'm going to guess that July 24th you're going to be done. Well, I remember. I had the very no. uh, the very best intentions of trying to make the last book go by as as slow as I could, and I knew uh, Melissa was out there. Speed, speed reading the whole thing, so I'm like, I was I was sitting there with uh with my sister who I read, um, Phoenix with together, and um, we decided that we were going to read one chapter and stop and talk about it and then keep doing that, <laughs> and we did that for about nine or ten chapters, and then I would kept looking over to see where she was, and we um, we tend to read a little at a little different pace, so um, sometimes she would stop early or finish early, and then I'd finish early, and then eventually, by like chapter ten. I look over at her and, and uh, I'm like, you want to keep going? And she's like, yeah, we're going to keep going. So Forget that. I really want to try, no matter where I'm at reading this thing, to really you know, take my time with it. No, I don't. I don't know, I don't know why you wouldn't want to. I want to, but there's just, there's no, there's no, yeah, I want it to last as long as possible. But when you have that book in your hand, that's it. It's over, no, it's right? Like, that's it. You just see, keep going. I, I compare it to, like, like most things, I compare it to food. So... <laughs> If you're spending, Surprise. you know, you know, think of spending days on this huge, you know, feast, and um, it's finally finished. You're, it's the best thing you've ever, you're ever gonna taste, and you scarf it down, and you know, you know, five minutes rather than spreading it out and just tasting every little bit of it. That's, that's what I think about this book. Because once this thing is done, it's done, and you can read it again, and. You know, I have a good time reading it again, of course, and reread everything else, but there's going to be no more aha moments or no more big discoveries. Yeah, there so will. You think there'll be yeah, more? Yeah, I think we, how, how many times we've all read the books, we go back over them and always go, oh, man, you know. Well, those are the people that have speed read the things in, <laughs> you know, five hours. They forget whole chapters at a time. So, of course, you're going to have aha moments again. Yeah. Well, I mean... Relative to the scarfing, I'm still Italian, and there's just <laughs> big there, bowl of pasta. Big bowl of pasta in front of you. That you know, that's it. That's your little world right there for a while. No, um, the, the the problem with that is, is that I think it takes enjoyment away to force yourself out of your normal reading zone. You know, it's supposed to be a connection between you and the book, and if you are just doing it the way that the way that you enjoy books, if that's fast, if that's slow, it's whatever, then you're going to have the best enjoyment experience. For me. I want to absorb it all, but I, d I don't want I don't want to speed read, but I I want to just keep going. Yeah. And I'll be done in ten or twelve hours, and you know, like last time. I can see both sides of it, but I think that there's 
Um, I mean, if you're reading a chapter and then you're going out and cutting the grass or something, obviously you're going to be, you know, in and out of the experience. But think about reading a chapter and then, you know, discussing it with some friends or going out and making some butterbeer or something. Because there's all kinds of fun things you can do while you are while you have this book, and I know there's going to be a lot on Leaky of things you can do while you read the book, and recipes, and things to cook up, rock cakes. I make a pretty mean rock cake. He's making this all himself because it's... it's oh, oh, right, right. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. He's, he's remembering a portion of Leaky that I forgot, yes. which is troubling. There's I, somebody with a... I'm sorry. There's somebody yeah. with a question. The Stephen... That's is is right. this the first time that it, the Stephen Fry audiobooks are coming out with the books? That's that's exciting. That's good. I I didn't know? I didn't think about about being able to read it along with. That them. takes a long time. What? Very long time. It's like seventeen hundred CDs or something, and you just mm. you know. I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah, definitely. I, I I really like to listen to the books too because sometimes there are uh, names and places and things that I have no idea how to say them properly. <laughs> and I'm going to assume that Stephen Fry is going to have you know called Alabama. up Joe and be like, yeah. Sorry. Be, how do you how do you say this thing? And she'll you know be able to tell him right. So uh, I think who, what uh, what spell or or what was it you were just telling the story about how you read it. And you had no idea, oh, it was Grim, Grim Old Place. Oh, because, you know, we were Americans in Scotland, and we're all these Americans in this tiny, tiny hotel, and we're, and we're um, reading, and we all said, oh, it's Gr Grimald, Grimald, uh, that's how you say it in American, Grimald Place. And somebody, Br I don't know, British, came up to us, I think, I think it was Jamie, um, who said, no, it's Grimold, Grimold, get it, get it, get it, Grimold. Like, oh, Grimold! Yeah. It was, it was a great, because it was like one of those aha moments that's later, it was like, she's a crafty little, mm, you know, and it's nice not to recognize that stuff the first time, I think, anyway. Yeah, well, let's, let's take a little impromptu poll here. How many people want to read it as soon as they get it all the way through as fast as they can? <laughs> well, Okay. <laughs> Uh, and how Almost many people want to want to really, you know, enjoy it and relish it? And how many people want to take their time, enjoy it, and relish it, but think that they can't, don't stand a chance of doing that? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what I thought. <laughs> God, it's almost here. Is, is it weird to you guys too? The whole ten years ending, you know? Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, well, I I know that there will be. Um, everybody's wondering what's going to happen after, to after this book. To Dollish, <laughs> yes. Well. Dollish will have his day, of course. Just like Ravenclaw? Yeah, actually, that was another thing I forgot about going to EA, is that they were saying how yeah, you can play as Harry, some levels you can play as other people, and they, I, I can't believe that they actually allow you to play as Dollish in the ministry scene. <laughs> There's I actually a code. I see that coming down the street. I think if you hit XX square circle X, Dollish f comes down <laughs> and, you know, rays of sunshine, and you, you can... Do super powerful spells as him. So. Right behind Tony Maudsley. <laughs> Tony Maudsley. <laughs> yeah, he, he, Tony Maudsley walks behind him carrying his, you know, the back of hem of his robes. Just um, his, you know, Dalish is very regal in this, <laughs> in this game. But anyway. Anyway, um, you ha you had your hand up before, and I I was trying to get to you, and I just couldn't. So what were you? Oh yeah. I, 
um, I had two friends with visiting or were with me last time when we, when I went to Scotland and and Bloomsbury had had put us on a plane from London to Scotland and they said oh forget about that we're going on the train you know so they they took the train up from King's Cross through you know up up to Scotland and they said it was just amazing just going going to get a book on the way you know ah oh, that's nice I would like to do that one day well that that kind of reminds me going way off topic again but I have to talk about my first experience with the trains and um, <laughs> we had a fun little train ride to visit um, um, EA and I can't remember the town it was a Guildford Guildford oh so then there's you know, London Road Guildford which is one stop before yeah well no let's let's talk about while Melissa was off buying jewelry or whatever she do she does <laughs> Um, I'm holding on to her camera, and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Look at all these trains. I'm going to take some photos of all these trains. So I snap a few pictures. I found the little place that sold the pumpkin pasties. Meanwhile, and I took some pictures. Well, meanwhile, in the jewelry shop, I come outside. And, and Melissa finds me talking to two very nice gentlemen. In yellow coats. Uh, in yellow coats. <laughs> that were very curious as to what I was doing, snapping photos of the building <laughs> and the trains. And, you know, um, go figure. Um, when you do that, they really want to know where you live and where you're from and what you're doing taking pictures of their station. So that was my fun little uh, encounter. And they're trying to like, convince me that, 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 this, that it's, it's so imperative. I'm like, dude, no, it's okay. I'm from New York. It's, it's, it's cool. We, you know, we get it. But yeah. it was just, I, I just walked out of the shop and I was just like, he's getting arrested. Yes. Well. I left him for five minutes. You know, I was... I, I didn't know. At, at first, I figured, you know, they might have been, you know, listeners. They'd be like, yes, John Noe, <laughs> how you doing? I'm yes, here, I'm riding the train, didn't want to see my pictures. And, but no, they were not listeners, sadly. So. Though they might be paying special attention to you now. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, oh gosh, the trains. I, I had only ever been on a train once um, in my life before that, and it was just a little trip from Detroit to Chicago over in America. And we've been on trains probably half our trip, it feels like. We've been taking the tubes here and there. And um, it's been a lot of fun, but I guess it's a lot different from what the Hogwarts Express, what a steam train would be. I kept looking around for the lady with the trolley, and she never came. <laughs> and I was complaining to Melissa how hungry I am. And he wanted his pumpkin pasties. I want my pumpkin pasties. Pasties, which we get, we exactly say it, pasties. I know. Yes. Pasties. I, I always get, screw it up. We get corrected every time, but John just keeps going, pasties. I always, I Which always in America that. is a different thing, yeah. entirely. <laughs> you don't want to know. Yeah. Um, so you know, but no, we, because we were staying in Hertfordshire, and, we, and it's like a. Ha I think, I think it's Hertfordshire. Am I Hertfordshire? Oh, I, I'm burn. not English. Oh, <laughs> I suddenly. Can't, I can't. If I pretend to be English, or even don't pretend to be English, John thinks it's me pretending to be English yes. and laughs at me. That's another story for another time. But we'll have um, to blog about that one. Yeah, just read it later. Anyway, um. It's, it's taken us, you know, like 35, 45 minutes to get in every time. And then going to Guilford was like two and a half hours each way. Yeah. And we finally get there and we, we just got off at the wrong stop. And we're walking all around and we're asking people. It's just, it's just Americans in London, you know. Yeah, I found it very surprising how little people seem to know about where they live. Because you ask them, where's this street? And they're like, oh, well, gosh. Um, yeah, you guys don't really like the street signs. You know. Oh. It's been real. Seriously, I mean, where is the street sign? I, and I it's like buried between two windows, yeah. like up the road. They, they figure, I figure, if you need the street sign, then you don't really belong there, and you need, you don't <laughs> need to be there. Forget so you. Either figure it out or go home. Or garbage cans. You're not really fond of those either. Yes. It's not that it's dirty or anything, but you can't find a garbage can. Poop, 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 bombs. I know. It, oh but my you know, gosh. 
I think I think I think in New York we just take the risk. <laughs> we just yeah. Bombs or a dirty city? Let's 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 I not have a dirty city. I had to. Um, I felt terrible dropping uh, all of my cans of, of was it fizzy, not not soda. Not English. It's a fizzy, right? Yeah. Um, you know, in the little phone booth because I had nowhere else to put them. We were, we were trying to find, uh, trying to go into Equus and there was no trash cans in Equus. And I'm like, I'm lugging around all of this stuff because I like to stop at every little place to try as much British food as I can. <laughs> so I have my bags of things and I, I walked in and I see all this, you know, all this uh, trash in the, in the phone booth and I'm like, oh, well, all right. Well, I, maybe it's somebody's job to clean these things up, so. Okay, I didn't see any of this. Yes. So well, <laughs> he must have been like, Melissa's gone. I'm going to put yeah, them because I'm like, don't put that in the trash. I'll find I'm shoes carrying or empty something. soda cans around all week because I can't find a garbage can. So I'm just, I got all my bags and I've got a soda can, you know. Yes. Um, but why don't, we, why don't we, I'm sorry, we're way off topic. Why don't we do some questions? Let's, and, let's venture back such. into the power world here. And uh, what's on everybody's mind? What's everybody really hoping to have figured out? Well, by I, the time I have, have to have say first, you guys have some high expectations. Yes, because we're from America, and that's the second home of Harry Potter. But you guys are like the mothership, so yes. I, I'm, I'm, you got to show us up. I just went through all the books again. Uh, okay. And I noticed something that I thought was actually quite important in *Goblet of Fire*, where Harry's been taken by Crouch Junior back to back to Moody's room. There's the faux glass, and the faux glass shows up your enemies. Now the faux glass doesn't know that Crouch is pretending to be moody. All the faux glass knows is it's Crouch. And the faux glass shows Snape as an enemy of Crouch. And I think that's quite an important That's very telling. Does it say specifically how many how many enemies are shown in that glass when they're yeah, coming towards? Mm-hmm. He could also just be an enemy of Crouch's for the hell of it, yeah, you know, because he's Snape uh, and they <laughs> Snape doesn't have many friends. Uh huh. Okay. That's that's actually I, I remember reading about or hearing about oh, both. The, the faux glass, and I, I didn't, I don't remember if they actually named the people that they saw or just described them. And I thought there might have been some people, you know, the whites of their eyes. We said when you see the whites of their eyes is when you know they're in trouble. Yes, you're you're in trouble. You should run. I'm sorry. We're probably going to talk about a lot of Snape. So let's let's green shirt over there. Why don't you come up and when we call you, just come up and sit yeah, here. We and have we'll an give extra you a microphone chair here, so that you can we can actually hear you. And we get so many complaints. I can't hear the people in the audience. After we put up one of these live shows, so. What's your name? Um, my name is Emma. Hi. Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi. Um, jo doesn't normally mention things if she doesn't intend to use them in later books. And we, ha and we still haven't um, learnt what the 12 uses of dragon's oh, blood yeah. are. So I was wondering if Charlie, who works with dragons, may be able to give some blood to Harry to destroy maybe a Horcrux. Hmm, that could be an interesting use for the dragon's <laughs> blood, to destroy the Horcrux. You know, um, she was asked about that once and she couldn't, she couldn't reveal it. And it was also mentioned as something that she told Stephen Clovis because he was asking about dragons, or maybe she didn't tell him because he was asking about it, and she said, no, you don't get to know that. 
you get to know everything else and make Ron weak. And anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm not bitter. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an interesting theory. But do you think that there's a book somewhere that says 12 uses of dragon's blood, number seven, kill horcruxes? You know? yes. Maybe it's undiscovered still, and yeah. then Harry discovers it. Cool. Well, thank you. Huh? See? See the guy. She did learn all of the uses? Mm, interesting. Didn't she think, like, hey, well, if Harry? If she, I guess if she hadn't came across the word Horcrux in that book, then, you know, maybe. <laughs> Wouldn't Dumbledore have been like, hey, Horcrux, we can't have this at yeah, Hogwarts? If it's, if it's, it's a book that, you know, first year can get a hold Could of. Could it be in, like, a kitchen recipe book, you know? Yeah. Uses of dragon's blood. Oh, yeah. kill Horcruxes. Yeah. You know? I Scour mean, your oven, kill Horcrux. Excellent frosting for cupcakes. Same day. Ew. Well, everything's food, I for swear. For vampires. Well, thank you. Thank you, Emma. Who's next? Come on up. What's your name? Uh, Tom. Hi, Tom. Um, I was reading um, book five again recently, and I read the prophecy, and it says something about uh, born to those who have thrice defied Voldemort. And I think the wording is really important because defied, that it just doesn't seem like they were fighting him, perhaps. Perhaps he approached them or something, but I'm not quite sure what it means, but I think it's going to be quite important in the book, and I wonder what you thought about that. Yeah, I think everything uh, in that prophecy, in that whole chapter, was, the words were chosen very, very carefully. And uh, defy, it, you're right, it's an interesting word. It's, it could mean that, uh, you know, it could be betrayed, or it could be, you know, obviously outright outright fighting. And I, I, and I think, uh, uh, wasn't it, uh, the Longbottoms also apparently had... Uh, oh. Defied Voldemort three times. Well, defied is an interesting. It's not. It's not defeated because nobody's defeated him yet. But they've defied. They've probably just defied something that he really want. For instance, Lily, yeah, she stood up to him. Stood up. You know, like you can imagine the Longbottoms taking no yeah. baloney. You know, um, do you have baloney? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been here eleven times. There are things I just don't know. Um, but I'm really, I really hope it's, I really hope it's in there. I hope it's not just a piece of information that she's like, oh, you know, right, you know, they, they defied Voldemort three times. Don't have to explain that. You know, there's so much to explain. How, how long do you, you guys think the book is going to be? Somebody, somebody just put his arms out six yes. feet. I hope so. I hope they give out little luggage carts and yeah. you have to, you know, have to take it out. You have to read it with two people. One person has to hold the other side open until you get to the middle when it's like a pop-up yeah. version. And it'll still be <laughs> yes. too short. So, well, how do you guys feel about that? She said that there's going to be a lot to discuss afterwards. That uh, one great, that's me. great. On the other hand, it's like, no, no, we need answers. Because we can do these canon conundrums all day long, but we sure. can never get an answer then. And that's going to frustrate me. Well, I mean, is her website going to keep going? That's another yes. question everybody wants to know. We, you know, we don't know. We'd, we'd hope. It is. We'd hope there's going to be things that she keeps putting out, new FAQs and things like that. But I think, obviously, we would prefer to have the answers in the canon and things like that. And even if, you know, that's going to be an encyclopedia down the road that she could put out. Who knows? But, yeah, she's um, expressed interest. So, yeah, I really want that. I think everybody really, really what if it came it. out in like volumes too? She could put out like one for every letter of the alphabet. Just one on Dumbledore, just one. <laughs> or four. Can you imagine it's like. Or six. It's like <laughs> the year 2020 and we all come back to Borders and it's like, okay, it's countdown to, you know, volume M <laughs> for the Harry Potter encyclopedia. We had Mandrakes and Moody. That'd be awesome. 
From your lips to, you know, yeah. like, I mean, people, people, we, it's so funny when I get these emails, hey, you should get your rolling on the show. Really? Yeah. Re oh, I'm so glad you told me. I'm going to call her right now. Oh, yeah. God. Well, actually, I remember it was a few weeks ago in, in February. Actually, yeah. Um, she had, uh, she called me up and she's like, well, you know, I'm waiting to do podcast and I'm like, well, we have a filk show. This is show. why she hasn't been on. Yeah, we, we have a, a filk show coming up, Joe, and it's really important we put that out. So we'll call you back when we're ready to have you on. <laughs> So, one of these days, I'm sure. Yeah. I hope after the seventh book comes out, it's like free calendar open Joe time. She's like, what hey, will she I'll be come doing? by every week. We'll, do, we'll, we'll talk. What will she be doing with her time? She, she talked about uh, having an idea for another book. But I, I, my biggest thought for her has always been, okay, you're done with the books. Now come over to Leafston and take uh, a role in the filming of the last, uh, last film. Make sure it's done 100% how, how you'd like it. Make sure you write your own, write the script to it yourself. Just do it perfect. And I, I could think of, of no better um, use of her time th than to do that. But maybe, I mean, how does anybody <laughs> agree with that? Because she doesn't agree with that. No, I want her I writing books, <laughs> okay? Yeah. I'd rather have another another book, another another. Well, if she's not going to. Well, if she's trying to take a break in the writing. Okay. Well, well, maybe. But I mean, I would want her advising the same way. But she's not a director. She's not a scriptwriter. You know, she gives them the best advice she possibly can with every with everything. But there comes a certain point where, like, if if she had her way, probably the movies would be ten hours long, and we'd have, you know, we'd have everything in there. So they do have to have to make it a movie. That's why I'm yeah. so excited for the video game because the video game yeah. is just chock full of that stuff. It's just, it's, ugh, it's awesome. You're very comfortable up here, Tom. <laughs> no, it's very cool. Thank you, Tom. I want, I actually want to ask you guys about, um, about that, and I and I lost it and it's gone. The game. I, I, I lost my train of thought. It's gone. Hogwarts, like the Hogwarts Express. <laughs> What, I'm about, sorry. About, about the I, video game? Film? No, there was, something, there was something I wanted to ask you guys about, and it will come to me about three <laughs> minutes after the podcast ends. Oh. It's the way it goes. Well, right, who else is thinking about anything about what they... What they, uh, what they All like? the way in the back with the... Um, yeah. She's going to come up here. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a second. Maybe my da, brain da, da, will be jogged back into, da, da, <laughs> into, into cognition da, before she gets here. What's your name? Casey. This is Casey. She's got a very pretty scarf on. Oh, thank you. I'm bad at public speaking, but I have this theory that there's an opposite to Horcruxes. Hmm. Basically, that if you do something so selfish that your part of part of your soul is ripped out, that if you do something so selfless, like Lily dying for Harry, that the same thing kind of happens, that you lose part of your soul. And I have this weird theory that Harry wasn't born with green eyes. Sorry. <laughs> but I'm good. Yeah. So Harry wasn't born with green eyes, but when his mother died and sacrificed herself for him, that the green eyes are the, what was left of her sacrifice. That's, that's very interesting. And I think I remember um, I just had uh, my first uh, nephew in our family. Charlie was born, and he's got these bright blue eyes. And I thought I remembered hearing something about all babies have blue eyes and then eventually they develop another color and it's interesting that they describe Harry as having these bright green eyes. He was a year old. Well, no, but I thought it has, he has always had 
these green eyes. Uh, and but the thing is, before he was famous, nobody would know that he had green eyes. Before he was famous, nobody would know that he had before green eyes? He, before he was one year old. Like nobody right. Would know who Harry Potter was. Right. So only afterwards did people know that he had green eyes. Except Dumbledore. I don't know, though. Because he would have been watching because of the prophecy. He would have known. He would have been watching well, the Potters. I think that the, the you have your mother's eyes is more prevalent than he had green eyes because of the movies. I think they would have gone to any lengths. I mean, look look what else they did. You know, they would have gone to any lengths. Even though at 11 years old, Dan probably was too young to be having contacts irritating well, his said, eyes. That's what they said, wasn't it? That they did try it and they were irritating him. Yeah, but it probably just wasn't. It's was probably in the interest of authenticity, and then it was just not worth killing his eyes. And they said to yeah. Joe, "Hey, you know." Could we? Could we? Maybe not do this to this kid. They could go ahead and spend the uh, five million pounds and go ahead and color correct him for all, all that the movies. That has to be really. Uh, it's doable. It's very doable. I know, but once one guy's job to take every frame of the movie, <laughs> I'd take that job. Are you kidding? <laughs> and, 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 and I'll make take the, that. The same color green and sh oh gosh, I couldn't do it. Well, thank you. Um, it's interesting what you say about the opposite of the Horcrux because I've had a similar thought once in a while, that she al she's always talking about how there's, an, there's a, always a reaction to an action. You can't do something without having an effect. Yeah. And she was very careful to plot that out about her magic, which does, it makes me think that there's an opposite Horcrux effect, that you can actually do something, because you've done something so evil to make a soul, you can actually do something so good to repair it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm having a theory right now. Maybe. I'm sorry. Ooh, I like it when this happens. Maybe Harry doesn't find all the Horcruxes, but he does something so good that he heals one part of Voldemort's Hor one the last Horcrux to Voldemort's soul, and then he's able to kill him because it's all in him again. Like you can counteract the evil. I don't really that like that theory. Yeah. Oh, well, no. I don't know, you know. Eh. All right, who's, who's next? There's a... Um, a girl, hey, right? <laughs> you want to pick go, up go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, let's have, let's have uh, another boy come up here. Okay. I always, always say that these podcasts, it's, uh, it's a bunch of girls, which is cool. Well, but <laughs> not very, very few guys well, come up. Well, it's really interesting. You can, can we get you and you to stand next to each other? Do you two know each? Come here. These two boys do. Do you know <laughs> each other at all? Fa face the crowd. It's the weirdest thing. They, you, I mean, separated at birth. Here, look, look. <laughs> He came up, they both came up to me separately. I said hello to him earlier, and then he walked up to me. And I said, you, you changed your shirt. What's, what's, <laughs> what'd you do? It's cool. What's your name? Is, no way. Perfect. He looked, oh my God. Very cool. <laughs> and your name? Theo. Theo. Okay, that's awesome. less, that's less Harry, but <laughs> Harry comes in. Take a seat. Uh, yeah, I was just wondering, um, you know, at the end of the sixth book, where um, Dumbledore drinks the potion out of the the ball thing oh, and yeah. when he gets the Horcrux, you know, and he's like saying, "Make it stop," and um, like uh, it was my fault and stuff like that. I wondered like what he's talking about because if it's like a memory or something, makes him relive a really bad memory, maybe something like that. Mm. I was just wondering because yeah. Well, I I remember just hearing recently a theory about uh, what that liquid does, and um, if it um, I, the, the theory had something to do with um, having to do with uh, the actual Horcrux itself and that person who created the Horcrux's experiences or memories. And a, a lot of uh, talk was maybe that was a memory or an experience of, of Riddle. And um, 
I mean, you could you know think for hours about then exactly how to interpret all those words. And then the flip side of that is someone uh, uh, thought that it was the experiences of whoever drinks it. And I think that's probably the more interesting one is, is Dumbledore reliving something. And it, then then where do, you, where do you go from there? What yeah. was he reliving? And will we ever find that out? I don't know. I think, I think it might be um, his worst fear. Because remember when we had the interview with Joe, we asked what would be his boggart and what would be his Patronus, and she wouldn't answer. Yeah. And so if it's his worst fear, I always feel like it's, that he, it's him failing Hogwarts, and it's, mm -hmm. it's children and Hogwarts being taken under Voldemort's rule, and he feels like it's, it's, it's his fault. If it's, if it's his memory, I feel like there was something in the battle with Grindelwald that, or Grindelwald, as Joe says yeah. it, um, with, um, with the, where he failed something. He says, like, um, don't hurt them, hurt me instead, something yeah. like that. So it might be something like that. It sounds a lot like something at the school. And she did say that his family was a profitable line of inquiry, so maybe his family got hurt in the first, you know? Could maybe have been that's why Aberforth, a child. Maybe that's why Aberforth is a little, you know. Very distant. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Harry. This lady. What's your name? Uh, Rosiana. Rosiana. Um, in response to that, I was always thinking that Grindelwald is kind of related to Voldemort in a saying like there's something connected to them and I think there's the guilt of Dumbledore who kind of foresees everything that's going to happen and he feels guilty that he hasn't stopped Tom Riddle because I think he's so good that he wouldn't even consider killing somebody purposefully but at the same time he sees all the people whose lives Voldemort has ruined and destroyed especially more now that the war's going on and he feels a personal responsibility for that. And he knows that he's aware that he's about to die, but he's kind of thinking back, like, don't... He knows, he sees all the terrible things that are going to happen now, but he says, hurt me instead. And he kind of takes it all upon himself. That's what I yeah. And I guess the fear is that he can't, he can't do it, you know? You know, for a long time, I thought that maybe the other person who created a, a Horcrux, because we're sure that s somebody else has created a Horcrux that Tom Riddle knew about, but only one was Grindelwald. But if Dumbledore was just still discovering about Horcruxes, or it took him all of these years to think that maybe Tom Riddle had made a Horcrux, then maybe it wasn't Grindelwald. Because he would know what it looked like. He would know what it did to a person yeah. by that point. You know? I don't know. I always thought yeah. it might have been Salazar who had that. That would be cool. The <laughs> At the end, Salazar comes out of the chamber. Yeah. <laughs> really not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, like like a game where you, you beat the final boss and then the next bigger boss comes out. It's like, whoa, wait a Our second. Our princess is in another castle. We haven't been reading about this. Well, thank you. Grindelwald yeah, oh. just seems particularly like, evil, and especially if he's connected with the wars, and clearly he is, like, has no... Maybe he's not even related to like the Horcruxes, just his kind of amount of evilness. Like, I don't think you can get there like naturally. or anything. And then to have somebody like Voldemort, Maybe he looked up to him. Maybe he was an idol. Maybe he like taught him in some ways. Yeah, I, I read a great fan fiction about that once. It yeah. was really awesome. But I don't. I, that's I, another conversation. Yeah. I, I do expect we'll probably uh, hear a little bit more about Grindelwald in this in this last book. And I think there's a lot to be said about the relationships with him and Dumbledore, paralleled to the relationship with uh, Harry and, and, and Voldemort. And I think um, if not at least at the time of the prophecy, Dumbledore comes to the conclusion that he will not be the one to vanquish Voldemort, 
that he doesn't have this relationship with him, that somebody else will come along to have it, and that it'll be Harry. I mean, certainly we see that in the ministry battle when Dumbledore's really not trying to, you know, destroy Voldemort because he knows he can't do it. This isn't this isn't his battle. So I think we'll see a lot of. Uh, I'm sorry, I get excited thinking yeah. about the the end that it's that this this battle is coming. You know. Yeah. But how many? Um, thank you. How do you guys feel about this? Um, do you feel like she's done a bit of a change-up? Do you feel less excited for the big Harry Voldemort battle now than you do for the big Snape confrontation? You mm. know, it's so much more interesting, and it's so much more layered than bad guy versus good guy. You know, here's the guy who's been killing people. Here's the guy who's like, yeah, you kill him. But I feel like Snape's is going to be, you know, yeah. even bigger and well, even more intense. It's certainly the biggest question, and um, it's something that I thought recently. It's like, well, gee... You know, that's what everybody's talking about, but how far into this book do you think we're even going to figure this out? Because it's the last big thing in our minds at the end of this book, but that doesn't necessarily mean come chapter one or two, they're going to be like, oh, you know, he's a good guy. Like, it could, I, I, you know, what if it takes all the way to the end of the book? Like, what if we hardly see anything with Snape and, you know, they go out there the whole year wondering what's going on with Snape, what's going on with Snape, and then the last battle comes and you see Snape. And you just kind of look at him. It's like, okay, you know, good, good Snape, bad Snape, and he's gonna be like, good Snape, and everybody, yay, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think we're gonna figure it out right away. I think, I think it'd be cooler if we didn't find out right away, because this is gonna well, add all this uh, suspense to the book. Well, it was shocking at the beginning of the sixth book when we spent a whole chapter with Snape immediately. Yeah. You know, and yeah, we should have known immediately that he was the half. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, I remember slapping myself in the forehead after book five because the f on the second page of book five is a, is a picture of, uh, in the American editions, is a picture of Padfoot walking out of 12 Grimmauld Place. And you should have known that it was about him and this was the person, the big death, you know. Um, it just seems so obvious. And then the first chapter of, of Half-Blood Prince, second chapter, I'm sorry, you spent all this time yeah. with Snape and it just... It, you know, six books into this woman's writing, and we d don't get it yet. Yeah. It's 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 incredible. Um. Hmm? Well, uh, I want to bring somebody up here. We have a, a friend here that I want I want to say hi. So, um, our, our friend Jamie from MuggleCast is here, and I want him to. He had a couple questions. Uh, he has a few theories, I'm sure. We wouldn't let him get out of this one. Just no way. So here, I'm going to get my mic to him. Thank you. So who's next? Oh, wow. Everybody's a little intimidated by the Jamie. <laughs> um, we, got a, we got a wand in the air, it looks like. I just said it's good to be back on home soil, finally. Yes. You're always in America. That's the problem. <laughs> I had to hear some good accents again. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if this will actually turn up in um, the books but it could be in one of J.K. Rowling's notebooks somewhere but um, I have a theory about Neville okay. um, there's um, something called uh, dyspraxia which works the same way as dyslexia it affects coordination and memory and I really thought that Neville seemed um, like some of these things like um, has difficulty judging how to behave with um, other peers, uh, difficulty walking down the stairs. He keeps um, 
he keeps getting his foot stuck in the stairs mm-hmm. when um, you know the missing stairs. Um, and when we first, um, one of the first times we see him in book one, he um, he has his robes fastened underneath his ears, um, which oh, yeah. which shows that he's has difficulty dressing, <laughs> um, often anxious and easily distracted, uh, falls over frequently, uh, avoids PE and games. Um, does badly in class, but significantly better on a one-to-one basis, which is like the DA. Um, unable to remember and or follow instructions. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like. So we're, and we're going to say anything. Yeah. But sorry. <laughs> Mike, sorry. Smack me with the microphone all week. Um, no, it would be totally like her to just to make it very scientific and make it make it it makes sense that he's this way in a medical yeah. fashion, but never really, you know. Yeah, but it wouldn't address be mentioned. It, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, that's and she was a teacher, so. Neville. <laughs> I'm sorry, Neville. You know, it's, it's Neville. Yeah, I, th- I think I think uh, you know she fleshes out these characters so much in these notebooks that that we know about, and and who knows, maybe she had something like that in mind. It will probably never have it spelled out for us, but it probably would be a good way for her to write a character if she knew about uh, more things about this character and can and can, can uh, keep a consistency in that personality. Thank you, Luna. <laughs> <laughs> She's got moons on her scarf. Cool. Very cool. Oh, I have a request. Do you have to say No, I was just going to say that um, I think that. It's a very good point, but I point to the fact that his parents were, you know, tortured into insanity, and I think she's been sort of talking about that throughout the entire series and the effect that that has on people and the effect that the sort of death of your friends and the sort of death of your parents has on you, and I, th- I point to that. But she's also sort of, she's the patron saint of, patron saint, patron of um, <laughs> MS Scotland, MS Scotland, so I think, you know, she's very, it's very close to her heart, so that could be something as well. I want the best theory in England. Who's got it? Oh, come on. You guys are English. We got a hand back here. Come on up. Yep. yep. Best theory in England coming up right now. I'm so excited. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. (laughs) 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 Oh, my gosh. That's from the very, very first podcast. We never used it again with a spoiler alert. (laughs) 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 Like you're walking into a restricted, contaminated area. Okay. Hey, hold on. Here. Hi, uh, I've got um, a question and a theory. Um, the question that starts it is, in Half-Blood Prince, when the young uh, Tom Riddle is uh, softening up Slughorn so he can ask him some awkward yeah. questions, he asks, uh, matter-of-factly, if the then uh, defence teacher is retiring, um, I think Professor Merry thought, is it? Yeah. And uh, Slughorn laughs it off and he chuckles to himself and asks uh, Tom how it is that he managed to know so much about uh, Hogwarts business. So the question first is, how does Tom know so much about what's going on at Hogwarts? Hmm. Well, I don't, I don't know how many of you know people like that who are real motivated and real, always trying to, you know, find out things about other people, and especially in, in a school. And I wasn't necessarily that guy, but um, I, I, I got by a lot of my classes by, you know, being, you know, cool with teachers and you know being you know respectful of being being kind of kind of chummy i guess and um i guess that something a place as big as hogwarts there's bound to be people in there that will talk um if you know you show some interest in them and a school a school as big as that and there's all kinds of different characters that we probably don't know about from back in riddle's time 
but um, I, I don't necessarily think it could be something like like maybe we were thinking something like magical, some kind of maybe. I mean, did he know how to use uh, what's it? I can never say it with the L. Legitimacy. Did he did he know that back then? I mean, can he? Could, Oh yeah, but how hard is it to look at somebody? You have to have eye contact with them, and it's it does. I would, I think, unless he was that powerful at sixteen, I he might have been. I would think that he would have to. He couldn't just do it like that, though. I I don't think so. Anyway, it's my. He's just evil. He's just he's evil. That's. Why? It shows something about his character that he, he's that young and he can sort of weave in and out of Hogwarts business and find stuff out from people that other people can't find out. And I think, you know, it just shows that from an early age he could do all these things and that he was going to grow up and be bad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Mike's. <laughs> I think it's sort of indicative of um, his time at the orphanage. That was defense. Information was power when you don't exactly. think you have other power. So he knew that he had to find things out about people, learn about people. I think it's probably harkens back to the very, very early, you know, before, before Dumbledore in the purple suit days. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he just learned how to do this and learned it was a skill to help himself, to help him survive. So you go into a situation like Hogwarts where there's all this stuff to find out, you know, and he could just, it would become almost fun, almost sport. I know stuff about the teachers. Yeah, well, that's I have in his power. character, though, like, yeah. to learn as much as he possibly can about you know everything from spells. I mean, he's you know the opposite of you know Harry, who's just the most uninquisitive thing Hogwarts has ever seen. It's like I wonder what my parents did for a living. Hmm, I'm not going to ask anybody about it though. <laughs> Until book maybe seven. I'll wait till I'm 17, then I'll be curious about it. You know. We hope. Yeah. Gosh. Well, you said you had your theory too. Okay, I've been looking into. Um the history of alchemy, because I'm with um, our beloved Sue. Sue. I know. Oh, Sue. Hi, yeah. Sue. Second and do a big, a big hi, Sue. Ready? One, two, three. Hi, Sue. Oh, Susie. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was looking into the history of alchemy, and there was a, a character who pops up in the canon whose name struck me. Uh, Harry acquired his chocolate frog card just after he got Dumbledore's in the first book, uh, Paracelsus. And the name struck me because it, it was very familiar it's, to uh, parcel, parcel mouth and parcel tongue. Hmm. So I looked into this uh, Paracelsus was, and uh, he lived the same time as Nicholas Flamel. They knew each other. They were fierce rivals in trying to find, trying to create a philosopher's stone. He experimented with uh, snake venom. Um, and I, th I can't quite remember my dates, but he, um, he either, literally the day before or the day after, he died before n Nearly Headless Nick was put to death. The actual day before, I think it is. So Nearly Headless Nick would be a, a source of information on him. And to cut a long story short, um, there's a statue bust of Paracelsus that can talk on the stairs that leads up to the Alry. And so presumably listen too. So I think it's got some maybe some connection mm. with Slytherin, and it's been listening in to people's conversations. <laughs> Very good. We just found out that Joseph so, snake lore and myths and legends, which makes perfect sense. Well, exactly. And I've been thinking about this for a while now, and the alarm bells really started to sound in my head. You know, just recently, what did Joe sign in a hotel? It was a bus statue. It was, her, 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 it was a 
Was it? Yeah. Was it? No, it was a, it was a statue though, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It could be a nod and a wink, and there's. Mm. <laughs> I like it. Thank you. Um, we have to tell a quick story um, that we forgot to tell earlier. We saw Jason so. Isaacs, and of course, asked him to you know say hi to sue which which he did gladly but remember when we did that big hi jason oh i don't know if you, you guys obviously weren't there but when we did the first leaky mug in new york and we had a big hi jason um that yeah i thought you'd all should like to know that he heard it he went home and listened to it and says thank you to everybody so so it's uh, very cool very nice okay next these guys wearing a leaky cauldron shirt i just have to Ooh, one of the first ones I'm Neil from Scotland, so this might not be. You. you do. You've emailed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this might not be the best three in England, but hopefully it's the best one in Scotland. Okay. Um, <laughs> back on episode forty, you played my voicemail about my theory that Harry's going to take over the order. Hmm. And the reason what I said at the time was that, uh, to begin with, McGonagall will probably be leading the order, but they'll be reacting as opposed to actually trying to do anything, because um, Dumbledore never let anyone in on his strategies, what he was try trying to actually achieve. So the order will be directionless and have very little idea what they actually need to do, apart from running about after Death Eaters that have popped up here and there. Um, my theory is that Harry will, later on in the book, come over and give the Order some direction and use them to get rid of the Death Eaters or get them out of the way before he can then tackle Voldemort. Now, I think this because he's obviously learned a lot of leadership skills in the previous two or three books, obviously with the DA, um, Quidditch captain, etc., etc. but he's also been accepted as a leader by the adults. Because in the last few chapters of Half-Blood Prince, when we're in the hospital wing trying to find out what's actually happened during the battle, it's Harry that's asking the questions and getting all the answers. Everyone's talking to Harry. He's uh, getting all the information. He's the one that's then involved in the headmaster's office. And it's him that said, well, no, we're not going home. We're going to have the funeral. Hogwarts has to open. And no one questions him being there and take his direction. What would that mean, do you think, then, for... The <laughs> the eventual outcome, the the the, be the final battle that this is all leading up to, for everybody to be following a student in, into all of this. When we when we know there are still people in the order, like uh, Kingsley, for example, who you know is yeah. he's the head of you know law enforcement. It's different though. It's it's much different to be the head of law enforcement and be the and be a natural leader and sure. be the person that people. It's how young people become kings. It's how young people, you know, lead armies into battle. It's just a natural leader, and people tend to fall in line. And when you're dealing with somebody like Voldemort, you can't just go by a book by book strategy. Put your most experienced person at the front and charge ahead, and you're going to win. You you, yeah. you have to have to have that inspiration, and it's because everybody knows that Harry is the one. Well, you know, everybody doesn't know, do they? We know. No, all He's of us know, but the people, yeah. the people in the order. He's the only one that knows about the Horcruxes. That's true. So no one else knows how to defeat yeah, Voldemort. They can only react to what he's doing. Do you so think he, he's the one that's got to take them over and tell them what they need to do so he can finish the job? Do you think he'll tell the people in the order that no, I'm the prophecy boy? I think it will become clear. You now, listen to me. <laughs> no, because he's not that arrogant. Yeah. But he'll. 
Yeah. He is, do you yeah. think they'll have to hear the prophecy? I mean, he'll to be the one, he'll be the only one making any progress, mm-hmm. and the or, I think the order will do what he asked them to do, and he will then go on and take care of the uh, Horcruxes and Voldemort. Draw a Lord of the Rings comparison quickly. Um, again, uh, I'd say that Harry, it's, um, it's sort of his quest, his... Um, I can't remember the exact words that Frodo uses when he's talking to Sam in the Two Towers, but, he, you know, um, it's, his, um, it's, his, it's his quest to defeat the Hor- to, to uh, get rid of the Horcruxes, to defeat Voldemort, uh, and it's for him to do, and he might have people there with him, helping him along his way, uh, specifically Ron and Hermione. They're going to be with him uh, to the end, and they're going to be with him right up to when he defeats Voldemort. The, mm. the order's there to get rid of the people on the side and make his path clear. So one more comparison. When uh, they go to the Black Gate, and um, I can't believe this is a Harry Potter podcast. That's going the wrong way. Um, <laughs> when they go to the Black Gate to draw out Sauron's armies um, to, lead the, to make the path clear for uh, Frodo, I think it's kind of like that with the order. So yeah. I think um, Kingsley is our Aragorn. <laughs> Dollish is our Aragorn. Come on, <laughs> now give me a break. But um, no, do you, do you think the order is gonna? Eh, eh, that makes sense. That they're gonna kind of clear the path. And uh, and uh, I just I just had a flash of uh, of thought of uh, Do you think Scrimgeour is gonna be in his way, or? No, he's like that king dude. Um, right, that king guy. I'm not a Lord yeah. of the Rings person. What? Yeah, doesn't he come around at the end? No. Good. I hope Scrimgeour goes totally loony, and that's that's. Yeah, I I just felt like there was a comparison to be made there. But yeah. Uh, anyway. So does anyone have any good Lord of the Rings theories they want to share now? <laughs> Come up. Oh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I got, we got we got one more. It looks like. Time for one more. Who's it gonna be? Emily, um, I have a question. Um, do you think that maybe Harry, Ron, or Hermione might live or die in the seventh book? The live or die questions. Oh my. Well, <laughs> to go through it quickly, I've always said that there's no way Harry is going to die in this book, um, and if and I don't think that he would see a very um, fruitful existence without his two best friends. Um, that said, I I think that uh, I'm a little worried for Neville. I'm a little worried for Luna. I'm a little worried. I'm not as worried for Ginny because I think that the book is going to revolve around their relationship and the love in Harry's life. And if you know, if Luna, uh, not Luna, if, if Ginny gets the axe, <laughs> then um, you know, I mean, it's uh, that's like saying you are. You are who you are. You are so powerful because of this love, and there, there goes you know your future wife. Yeah, I don't know, you know how how happy Harry would be at the end of that. But uh, what do you think, Melissa? Live, 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 <laughs> live. <laughs> They're gonna live and be happy and have babies, and Ginny's gonna live. And I, yeah, I'm worried about Neville and Luna. I, uh, I'm particularly worried about about Neville when she slammed down the Neville Luna ship. Um, J.K. Rowling said that that one, and it just makes me feel like, well, where's his partner? But then I remember what she said about somebody becoming a teacher, and it might not be the one we think, and I think it's just been fandom lore forever that it would be Neville being the herbology teacher, you know? 
They're gonna live. No, I don't think she's gonna kill Harry. I just, he might come close. Real close. Real close. Uh, and also, she's been killing people to prepare him for his final battle against Voldemort, so it's pointless after he defeats Voldemort and he's sort of high on his, you know, podium, then she kills Harry, and, I mean, Hermione and Ron, you know. It would, it would, it would destroy him completely, so. Yeah. Not that he's in too good shape now. But. Sorry. He couldn't get there. He's been. He's gotten there. All. I mean, he needs his friends to get there. So I don't know if she would help have them help him get there, and then right before the end, kill them. When he's he's ready right now. He's ready right now to bring Voldemort down. So he doesn't need any further motivation. So I just don't know what what it what it would bring. What it would be purpose for. I, as much as she's been saying how. You know, this can be a very, uh, there's going to be some painful parts of this book, and we've been preparing ourselves for all kinds of sacrifices, and she's even quoted saying, you know, characters are going to die. I, I really uh, hope that um, um, the, pe that the people that do die are people, are characters that are real close to us um, and close to Harry, that their deaths will be something, you know, great, some kind of sacrifice. And, that's, and I know a lot of people were worried for Ron, after the uh, chess match in the first book of Ron taking the fall, his, his you know, piece on the board taking the fall, if that was going to foreshadow something. And I, I know Joe shot down the entire chess match theory, but I don't know if that meant every little part about it. And, you know, if, if somebody like Ron or Hermione was going to die and it was done out of a sacrifice and out of, you know, love for Harry... I, that would certainly be a painful part of the book, and I don't know if I could, if I would be displeased with that as much as I like the characters. If it's going to happen, I would. <laughs> it, no, no, no. If it's if, it, if it's going to happen, that'd be a very powerful storytelling um, thing to happen. So. I know we said only one more, but this lady came from California, so I, you know, yeah. And then really, then really, we really, because wow, woo, this is longer than even the longest podcast and saying something. I'll make it fast. Oh, what if she does kill him off, but Ginny's love brings him back? Uh. <laughs> 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 gonna be, she's going to lean over and kiss him, and he's going to, you know, his eyes are going to flutter open. <laughs> the monster in his chest starts thumping him <laughs> off the ground. <coughs> Yes. <laughs> he goes off to have a spin-off book series, The Monster. Actually, John, it's going to be Matrix style, where Ginny plunges <laughs> her uh, hands <laughs> yes. into his chest and <laughs> if, if you've listened to any one podcast, you know that I'm like, Harry and Ginny are going to have babies, Harry and Ginny are going to have babies, Harry and Ginny are going to... But if she does that, I'm going to be a little annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so, you know, it's sort of like Hollywood. You know, oh, no, death is the end. Death, death is the end. the end. Yeah, that's it. And that's it too. That's the end. Oh, we'll be back again. Thank you so much. Anybody got? Oh, hold on, hold on. I've got some props for Morgan Phoenix here. If people want to have a look at them afterwards. How did you get that? Okay. <laughs> Secret props for Morgan Phoenix. Okay. Well, thank you guys for coming. Thanks a lot, everybody. Go out and see Equus. Go out and support the Harry Potter act, uh, actors in their shows. Yeah. And uh, report your uh, experiences back to Pottercast.com and Leaky Lounge and talk about it.
Then watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> <laughs>